Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Leonard Kim here. Welcome to another episode of Growth for Rent. Uh, today on the line with us is uh, Quay, who's been working in the music industry for a while. Um, Quay, did you want to take a moment to introduce yourself to our guests? Hey, how you doing? This is uh, Quay Sean. I am a 32-year veteran of the music industry. I currently have a joint venture record label deal with BMG. I am also a manager of uh, Grammy Award-winning producers and songwriters. Um, and I'm also an entrepreneur. I have a film company. I own two cigar companies and, uh, and a charity. And that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. So what kind of brought you down into uh, the industry that you're working in and decided to keep you committed for so long? Um, you know, I start, I look, I'm born and raised in the Bronx and hip hop for us was more of a day to day culture. It wasn't really anything we expected would turn into the phenomenon that it's become and, you know, throughout popular music, you know, so I, I've kind of been involved in, in this industry from young, you know, my older brother actually got me into it cause he was a DJ at local parties and, and, uh, events and I got into rapping you know, and uh, I just fell in love with it. And at, and at that point, I knew it was what I wanted to do, even through high school, through college. You know, um, I knew that I wanted to be in the music industry in some form or fashion. Cool. Yeah, I know a lot of people, like, they kind of make that career goal to kind of go out there and make music and kind of break into the industry about 32 years ago it was a pretty difficult industry to really break into uh, what do you think really helped you like kind of pave that way out um, you know I think it just all boils down to your ability to network um, I think you know the music industry is a tough business because there aren't any there isn't a, a set guideline or rule book that you can purchase to read to understand how to get into the business I mean you can read books about aspects of the industry but the, the idea of getting in it it's all you kind of just wing it to be honest and um it, it really boils down to marketing how well you can market yourself how personable you are how relatable you are and understanding the dynamic of the environment of where you meet a particular person so like what i mean by that is for example um when i met heavy d for the first time you know he had already heard of me as a you know as a rapper and I noticed while I was watching him that he was buying all of his entourage food. He's buying, he pays for everything. So instead I said, listen, let me buy you a drink. And he, it took him off. He was shocked. He was like, really? I was like, yeah, you, I see you pay for everybody. I'm going to pay for you. Let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you something to eat. You know, and even though he, he didn't, he declined the food, but he allowed me to buy him a drink. That's what built the rapport to get his, And I ended up getting his support and he was influential in me being signed to Epic Records. That's know, kind of, um, so I just go ahead. Oh, I said that was kind of that's kind of awesome. Yeah, and I mean, I have so many instant you know moments of that. You know, I, it's all about just understanding your market and understanding the goal of 
what you're trying to do. You know, I go into every situation somewhat with some groundwork of what am I there to, to accomplish. Even if my, I don't know what that is, you know, I always make sure that I understand. I don't know what I'm here to do, but there's some, there's opportunity here. So that way I'm already mentally preparing myself to navigate the floor and move around and look for where the opportunities are. And then once I see an opportunity that fits, you know, where I'm going, then I try to, you know, insert myself into that situation in order to try to take advantage of that opportunity, you know, or if I know, I, I, I always try to know what I'm specifically looking for. So um, that way I'm always focused and targeted in my speech, in my articulation. Everything is geared and directing the person or people I'm speaking to toward what my absolute goal is. So I'm assuming about 32 years ago, uh, what was going on as you were first uh, making music out in the Bronx and that kind of caught on in the local community? Yes. It, it, I actually got national exposure because as being, you know, in my day, you know, it was all about being a good lyricist and about, um, you know, having some kind of, you know, lyrical skill. And fortunately for me, you know, I, I, my name began to get thrown around and I used to start having visitors from other states who wanted to test that skill. And, you know, fortunate for me, I was very good at it. So it helped me to build a name for myself. Awesome. Do you think that national exposure is kind of what helped you lead your way down to, um, you're living in Los Angeles, Hollywood now, right? No, I live in New York. Oh, you live in New York still? Oh, so you built your whole entire yep. business out in New York without even having to come to L.A. Right. That's pretty well, cool. When it comes to music, New York, New York is the epicenter of music, of the music industry. You know, Hollywood is more of the epicenter for the film industry, you know, with, with Atlanta now being a hub for both, you know. Um, so, yeah, I built everything in New York. I mean, I would always be in L.A., so I traveled back and forth across, you know, from coast to coast. Pretty much, I try to spend at least a week out of every month in L.A. and a week out of every month in Atlanta in order to have my ear to the street to see, hear, listen, I always want to be in the cup, you know, ahead of the game as far as what's next. You know, um, the only way to do that is, you know, and is to be there. You have to simply be present while that is happening or unraveling. So I've always had a reputation of being the kind of executive that shows up to physically see what the movement is. Nice. So when you were first starting out, like what kind of led to that national exposure? Did you like end up on the radio or what kind of things like really happened for that? Honestly, it was all underground at first. You know, radio doesn't really support artists from the underground level, especially back then, you know, because they didn't even regard hip hop as a legitimate genre of music back then. You know, they didn't think it, they, they were sure that this was going to fizzle out as fast as it, as it started. And I think, though, you know, had it not been for Blondie, they might have been right. So I never really had, I didn't have radio exposure to get national exposure. It was really just word of mouth in, this, in the underground channels where they're like, hey, this guy is a really good rapper. And there's rappers from other states that went to battle him and, and they lost. And, you know, he's really good. And that, I you know, I'm... I was introduced to, like I said, from Heavy D to Christopher Williams, who then introduced me to the person that became my manager. 
And then, you know, we started to put a body of work together, and then we got signed to Epic. And then, you know, that's where it all started for me. So basically what kind of happened is because New York's kind of the epicenter of where hip-hop and all those movements came out, a lot of artists would kind of go out to New York, and because you kind of built up this reputation as a strong lyricist, a lot of people wanted to go and kind of test your skills, so then your reputation kind of grew out in the community, and that kind of became the fundamental blocks on how you were able to go out there and become a pretty powerful artist. Right. That's kind of awesome. That's exactly and, what happened. And then, like, I know a lot of people nowadays who kind of get into the music industry, what they're kind of looking at is how to break it in as an artist. But you kind of made that transition from an artist to a producer. And that I think that kind of takes a little bit more of a business acumen to kind of go out there to make that decision, make those switches, and things like that. At first, at the very beginning, did you kind of know that you would have ended up in the producing side of things, or did it was it just something that kind of just uh, paved its way on its own, or what kind of led down that path? Right. So, well, t first of all, let me clarify: I'm not a producer. I, I don't produce records. What I do is I'm, I'm an executive producer in that I, I pick songs for artists. I pick tracks from producers and songwriters for a particular art. I manage producers and songwriters. And now I'm a record label owner. But um, no, I never actually produced. I wish I could have. I probably would have done that too. But but to answer your question, I, I, I always knew I was going to be some form of, I was going to own my own business at some point. I always knew that was the end game for me or the ultimate goal. Um, and so everything that I was trying to do was to support my ability to be a good entrepreneur. So while I was working in the music industry, I was also studying, you know, the Wall Street to learn how the money works. You know, I even took classes as a sales rep to just learn how to be a great salesman. And, you know, I wanted to be good at marketing and promotion. So I, I was always educating myself. Uh, Warner Brothers... In that back in that day, they used to offer classes to their employees, and I would sneak into those classes because I had friends that worked at Warner, and they would sneak me in, and I would attend those classes. I learned a lot, you know. And then I, you know, I had good relationships with a lot of like brilliant music minds. So I, they were, I was fortunate enough to be exposed to a lot of brilliant people who kind enough to you know share wisdom with me. And, you know, then it was just up to me to kind of take all that wisdom and put it to use, put it into practice. And then, you know, I had a, my manager kind of, you know, he did me wrong, you know, and he's, a lot happened, which I, I won't get into. But him doing me wrong was also kind of a blessing because it led me to change directions from being an artist into and transition into being in, an, an executive. And, you know, because I said to myself, I know what it feels like now to get jerked around and I never want to see that happen to anybody. So I want to be the kind of, I want to be a businessman and I want to help prevent that from happening to anyone else. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's what uh, I think it's kind of crazy. Like how, when we go through an event, like usually what happens is as we go through it, we see it as painful, we see it as heartbreaking, we're disappointed by it, and it kind of like crushes our soul at this time. But 
I think the interesting side of it is when we look at those incidents in hindsight, they really become the opportunities that help guide us back into the right direction to maybe even take a step further into our careers. Right. Well, uh, it's about time um, to hop off to a commercial break. Then after we get back to from the commercial break, we could get into more details about everything. But if people wanted to find you online, where could they uh, get a hold of you, reach you, learn more about your label or anything like that? Yeah, um, you can. Uh, my website is www.qglobalentertainment.com, and that's spelled Q-U-E. Um, I'm on Instagram as Q Global Entertainment and as Quayshawn Carter. I'm on Facebook, Quayshawn Carter, uh, Twitter. So I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome, cool. And you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard Kim here with Clay. We've been talking a lot about the journey of how Clay really ended up into the music industry. And we left off at an incident that kind of uh, 
made you made Clay change directions and look at uh, the uh, world of business in a different way and the world of music to kind of move into uh, becoming more of a business owner. Um, at that time, Clay, you said that a lot of your friends were able to like sneak you into like music classes at like Warner and all these other things that were going on. Um, <clears throat> that seems like it kind of takes a lot of strong relationships to really make that happen. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners on the show kind of, uh, when they think about relationships, it's kind of hard to really go out there and network and make those strong kind of connections, especially ones that kind of have your back and everything. I know earlier in the show, you mentioned that you were able to offer like um, someone like <clears throat> a drink because they were going out there and buying all this food and drink for their teams and their associates. And that kind of made you stick out. Well, there's some other things that really help you create those strong type of relationships to really go out there and make that step further where you're able to network build a better connection. You know, I just think, like I said, when it comes to things like that, education is important. You need to have a little bit of charisma and some character about you. You can't approach, uh, especially in this business, you can't approach an artist like a fan, so to speak. You know, you have to approach them as a peer. And and I think that it's the same with any industry. I mean, if you want to see where the opportunities might be, you know, they can't feel like they're doing you a favor. They have to feel like you're both mutually benefiting from the relationship. You know, and that was why I, I chose to buy him a drink, because it gave him the impression that I wouldn't be another person who's depending on him or, you know, leeching or whatever, whatever the person calls it, where they're just supporting, financially supporting everyone around them. You know, I wanted him to first have the impression that I'm willing to invest in myself. I'm willing to, to pay my own way. And that's the subliminal message you're sending just from that simple gesture. And then, you know, obviously from there, you just have to kind of have some sense of what you're talking about. And you got to know what you want. You know, no one like, no real, you know, boss or entrepreneur uh, wants to have a conversation or do business with somebody who doesn't know what they want. You know, so confidence is an important thing as well. Yeah, I could definitely um, see how... I, you know, Go on. Yeah, I was just going to say that, um, you know, and you mix a little bit of that with just some good, you know, common respect, courtesy. You got to kind of pay attention to the person you're talking to. You have to learn them while you're talking to them and kind of you figure out key statements or key words that they, it appeals to them. You know, so it's it's a very involved thing to do to be able to network you know but if you if it, but it's a skill that you really have to have if you if you have any desire of taking advantage of the opportunities that when they when they're there yeah that makes a lot of sense especially when you're going out there and navigating through the path to really go out there and make yourself stand out in the market so at that time, you kind of made that transition to kind of move further. Is that immediately when you went into the management of artists, or what kind of happened at that time frame? I went to work for a record company, for Uptown Records. Okay. And then from Uptown to Tommy Boy Records, and then from Tommy Boy to BMG. And, uh, you know, from BMG, I kind of started, worked independently with, with another independent company, but a close friend of mine, Anton Barnes, who worked 
we had a company called Timland Entertainment, and I went and worked with them, and we worked projects like the Fugees and, you know, uh, Lauren Hill, especially because I'm, I'm actually the person who talked Lauren Hill into going solo, you know, who partly convinced her to make that decision. And, um, you know, so we had a lot of success, and then I went on from there to manage artists like the Ying Yang Twins, Nappy Roots, Petey Pablo, and I was just able to build a good... Uh, you know, a good stable of artists from there. So how long do you think it really took you to go out there from working internally at these large companies to kind of going out there and making your own? Um, you know, it, it, I think it just varies. It varies for every individual situation is different. You know, I've just never, I was just a person who was never comfortable working for someone. You know, and but I understand the value of working for someone, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know, so, it's a valuable thing, you know, to have, uh, you know, to have uh, the opportunity to be under someone's guidance and, and, and be an employee under somebody who's really has mastered the trade already. But, you know, this is an entrepreneurial-based business, you know, and if you don't have aspirations of doing your own thing, you know, how far do you really expect to go? That's true. So basically what you did is your time at like Uptown, uh, BMG and so forth, you really used that more as a learning opportunity where even though one, you were able to build a lot of connections in the uh, industry, two, you were able to collect a stable check, but more it was kind of like the laying like the foundational elements and those building up blocks to really help you get the education you needed so when it was time for you to go out on your own that kind of gave you the skills and the tools that you needed absolutely you know awesome. but you've got to put you've got to immerse yourself into the craft that you're trying to pursue you've got to really thrust you put your whole soul into it you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, it, this is a very dirty, you know, nasty, slimy business. But if you love music, it's where you belong. But it, you have to love music to really have success in the music business. You truly do. Yeah, I, I think... There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of elements to this industry that are purely creative. So if you don't have a, a true love for the craft, it's difficult for you to find that creative place, you know? Yeah, and I, I think one thing that makes the music industry a lot different than other industries is how, like, the mechanics behind the scenes works. And, like, there's some industries that you could hop in, have a passion, like, for example, maybe, maybe making, like, desserts, and then you don't really have to deal with, like, too many of the headaches that kind of come with the industry itself. But for, like, music, like, it's difficult for not just an artist, but, like, anyone who kind of wants to go out there and make it in that particular industry just because of all the different moving parts that kind of go on with it. And a lot of people have these personalized interests, and it's not as smooth sailing as the other industries. So I could see how important passion for the craft 
plays a major role in really going out there and making it in the industry. But it seems like that passion alone kind of isn't enough. What what other things do you think kind of have to go into it so you can really make it as a formidable player within the industry? Um, you know, absolutely. You, you've got to have some sensibility. <laughs> You know, common sense goes a long way in, in any industry, but music more so because, and you've got to be a people person because you're dealing with a lot of different personalities in this business. And everything is, is you know, it's all uh, transitory. It's transparent because we're talking about intellectual properties here. We're not physically making a radio or anything, but with the sound, good people skills because everybody's got a different attitude you know you, you know this industry is a little different than most where you know let's say in the tech world or you know in let's say in the medic in the medical field you know you go to college for four years you go to med school for four years then you do your residency and then you may be able to go out and do private practice but there's all these different things that have to happen for you to get to the top tier whereas in this business you can literally be completely destitute today and become a millionaire tomorrow. And, you know, unless you have good, solid people in your camp that can help teach you the responsibility that comes with wealth, you know, it's very difficult for a lot of people, you know? So it's just really tough because, you know, we get paid to kind of have fun, so to speak. It's a lot of work, but it's not, you know, we're not, shoveling rocks or breaking stones with a sledgehammer. You know, we make music. And yeah. then we go out and we party and we perform on stage. So it's all this kind of fun stuff. And then, you know, the money, the women, the, you know, all of the amenities that come with the industry are all temptations that one has to overcome. You know, so it's, just, it's really hard for me to kind of give you a blueprint because there's so many moving parts, as, as you said. Um, to the music business that there, I, I don't think there's any one way to do it and there's no one way to, you know, to, to mess it up. <laughs> you know, there's probably a thousand more ways to mess it up than there are to make it work. So you got to be very mindful of that. You have to be very careful of what you say, how you say it, and who you say it to. Yeah, I mean, from... <laughs> Being a spectator, not someone who participates in the music industry myself, it does look like there's a lot of different ways where you could potentially just end up losing your path or like losing a lot of money in the industry too. Because there seems to be, like you mentioned, a party going on every time where your work and your passion kind of become a play element too. So I could easily see how someone who might be brand new to the industry could really go and fall down into the wrong path and kind of end up at a place that they never expected to go. Yep. Do you see that happening? And it happens. Absolutely, every day. I mean, why? This is why, you know, you've got artists like Kurt Cobain who commits suicide, and you know, you have artists who die of overdoses. Amy Winehouse. I mean, there's, you know, River Phoenix. There's, there's just so many countless people in film and television who, you know, just can't handle it, and, and as a result, they, they, you know, they turn to the, they make bad choices. You know, they make bad decisions. Do you think there's some things um, that you 
done personally to help you become a little bit more resilient to those types of temptations and to kind of keep yourself down the straight path? I think that it just boils down to how well, again, going back to the confidence in yourself and going back to just being a a realist about what it is that we're doing, you know, and you can't ever get caught up. And it's tough because, you know, I mean, I tell you, man, the greatest feeling in the world is having 20,000 people screaming your name at the same time for the first time. And you'll spend the rest of your career chasing that, uh, that feeling again, you know, and it's addictive. It's like drug abuse. You know, when, whenever you talk to like, you know, I've, I've volunteered myself at like Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, help out. And one of the things that was always constant, what they said was like, it's like they're chasing the dragon, they call it, where it's like that first high was so amazing because it, it was their first time ever. But you can never really recreate that first high because your body's experienced it already. You know, and that's why a lot of times it leads to deeper addiction and more, you know, because everyone's trying to recreate that very first moment. And music is no different because that energy that you feel on stage it's so incredible that you spend every moment trying to recreate that moment and it, that it leads you into the same temptations that drug abuse leads you into. And drug abuse itself becomes a byproduct of chasing that first moment again, you know, that's never going to be repeated. So I think, you know, the ground yourself is accepting the reality that that's not going to happen and accepting, and you got to also have a good support system. You know, if you're in this, you know, it's hard when everything around you is a temptation and nothing around you is, is an encouragement, you know, so you got to make sure that you create or surround yourself with people who care about you for you as a human being before the music or before the success and the money and all those things. You need people around you that you, you trust enough that when they, when they see things going wrong, they can pull your coattail and pull and bring you back down to earth and ground you, help ground you, you know, because obviously you can, you can only ground yourself. But, you know, I, I think those things are very important. That's what I try to do as a manager myself is I try to keep all of my clients grounded and keep them from uh, becoming caught up in what the music industry, you know, gives out, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's And I, I, I think that's pretty good advice for anyone who wants to kind of like make it into the industry to kind of have that strong network of people who kind of has those checks and balances to make sure that you stay on track. Uh, it's about time for us to hop off to another commercial break. Uh, where did you say everyone can find you online again? Um. Website, www.qglobalentertainment.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, as Quayshawn Carter, and as Q Global Entertainment. I'm on Facebook, as, as Quayshawn Carter, and Twitter as well. Um, and, I mean, you know, if you Google Quayshawn Carter, enough information comes up telling stories about me that, probably aren't true, <laughs> you know, but, uh, no, yeah, you know, if you Google, you know, just reach out. I'm always looking for, I'm always looking for something excited about music and, um, and that's it. 
you know, I'm always here. Awesome. And you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel are you ready to move to your next level listen for empowering women transforming lives with host rebecca hall greider each show will focus on a central topic with discussion guests and your questions being featured our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement inspiration and practical steps to support them on their journey Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard Kim here with Quay. We've been talking a lot about the path and the movement that Quay's been making throughout the uh, music industry. And nowadays, you're managing artists and you're going out there and you're also diversifying your portfolio and making investments into other areas and running different types of of businesses um what what's kind of your main focus nowadays well the main focus will always be part of who i am i don't think i could i am who i am without music um so that will always be the main focus awesome um, i'm also you know go on you know i was gonna say i'm you know although i mean i am venturing into the movie industry now um I've, I've got a great film company i've started and you know, we're about to start working on our first film, and it's a full-length feature, and we've got some good stars attached to it. I can't really mention those names or anything yet, 
for confidentiality reasons, but um, I'm really excited about it. And um, and then the cigar businesses, and you know, there's still other things I want to do from like real estate standpoint. But music will always be it. Uh, you know, that's my beginning and end. I think. Well, um, when you're thinking about like the music industry right now, like what what's your main focus? Is it on developing out your artists? Is it looking for more artists? Is it going out there and um, working with merchandising deals, getting concerts booked? Like, what's the main thing that you've been kind of focusing on right now? Well, because of COVID, none of the artists are touring. You know, yeah. um, just finding alternative ways to expose the content to the consumer. Engaging the consumer is the most important thing for us, you know, um, especially in, with music because it's so trendy. And the consumer, this, this generation of consumers is so young, their attention span is very short. So you've got to continually keep them entertained and keep them engaged in order to keep them following and, you know, and being involved in what it is that you're creating as a movement. So, with that said, you kind of mentioned, like, COVID, like, making it so that artists can't really go out there and tour or anything. Have you kind of come up with any, like, creative ways to get your artists out there nowadays, or has it been a little bit difficult? I, of course, it's difficult because it, it was so short notice that things changed so dramatically. But, I mean, we're doing virtual concerts and try to do more giveaways, more Instagram lives. You know, TikTok became a very important platform because of, you know, more so because of, of the situation. And, um, you know, we'll obviously be shifting to a new platform if, in fact, the president is successful in banning TikTok from America. You know, we'll have to come up with something else. But um, I think it's just day-to-day when it comes to technology overall anyway. So... Uh, we just try our best to be ahead of the curve, and we try to have full understanding of what uh, of what the consumer is looking for, and recognizing where they're absorbing their lifestyle content from, and being a part of that platform that they that they're predominantly using. I mean, it's the only thing that we can really do in this juncture to expose ourselves to the consumer on a mass scale. Yeah, I see a lot of people into the TikTok platform and that's kind of been blowing up and I do see the government trying to go out there and shut them down but it does seem like a lot of companies like Microsoft and so forth could become a formidable potential owner or partner for these companies so that might potentially offset the uh, issue where TikTok does go away and they have a pretty strong chance of uh, potentially lasting Um, and I think there's a lot of creative things that musicians could do, like overlaying their music with other people's um, videos and kind of getting that music onto those different networks so the artists are able to get more exposure. Uh, one of the things that you kind of mentioned is a uh, virtual concert concept. Like, has that been a challenge for you to really go out there and execute? Has it been working pretty well? I, I know it's completely brand new territory. No, it's actually worked pretty well. I mean, we have a lot because a lot of those companies came looking for us, you know, as an industry. So it wasn't really difficult to kind of find where to go. You know, 
they came to us saying, hey, you guys have this problem. We have a solution. And this is what it is, you know. So I think that, that also helped out a great deal. And um, so it's, again, it's, an, it's going back to the original things we spoke about, finding the opportunities where they are and exploiting those opportunities for, for your own advantage. Yeah, I know, like, groups like, uh, I forget the EDM group, but uh, they've been doing a lot of different promotions online where they've been sending out their music and getting that shared online. Do you think that's been, like, affecting attendance with, like, the loyal diehard fans for your audience? Has it been pretty much up there and stable? Have you seen a decrease? What's kind of been, like, the uh, scenery behind that? increase in fan participation because everyone's at home you know so now you know people are more looking toward uh, these platforms as a way to you know have some way to entertain themselves without nightclubs without you know all those you know being able to go to a tour it's even more incumbent upon them to focus their energies on finding ways to entertain themselves while they're stuck at home. So the more creative we can become with an at-home presence, the, uh, the more the more uh, exposure we get. So I, I think that it's worked pretty well for us. Just, you know, like, for example, Timberland and, and Swiss Beats created this whole versus competition that takes place where, you know, uh, two big-name artists will get together and put 20 songs up against each other. And even though, you know, from an a theoretical sense, it doesn't make sense, but it works because it's something just giving the consumer something to do. You know, the idea of seeing this competition and seeing what the, predicting what the result is has helped increase engagement. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I think one of the interesting things is how a lot of people, because we're all staying home and everything, we're looking for more outlets to go out there and entertain ourselves just because it's been so limited. I know in Los Angeles, we haven't even hit that stage four period where nightclubs have even opened back up and even just dining alone. It's kind of like patio dining where a lot of restaurants are just building out um, extensions onto the street where people are kind of like dining out on the sidewalks and out on the pavement for the roads. So I think it's going to be a little bit of time before like uh, at least for uh, music to kind of go back to the in-person elements especially at concerts and uh, uh, live events and things of that nature um, I know you personally you're working with a handful of artists right now were you also looking to like pick up more artists at the time or were you really just pushing your current ones I'm always looking for more artists you know if it's something that's hot and it, it, it's affecting, impacting the market. I want it, you know. Um, at the same time, yeah, we're focused on the artists that we have. And we're, we're doing everything in our power to make sure that they continue to be successful. So if an artist was potentially listening to the show and they were looking for a way to potentially maybe work with you, uh, what do you think is the best thing for them to do? Would it be to send you their uh, music or what, what yeah. way to kind of get... I, that would be the best way. Send send some music for me to listen to and um, definitely 
let's let us take a look at the analytics behind the music if they've been putting it up on social media. I always recommend that before an artist start thinking or about trying to get a recording contract with a label, they should focus all of their energy into building a movement in and of themselves. I think because record labels are very particular in this day and age about um, what they're willing to sign or not willing to sign. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, con the current condition, you know? So um, I think that, uh, you know, everything is statistically driven now as opposed to how it used to be where, uh, you know, an A&R rep might see a talent, like when, when um, Clive Davis saw when he used to perform in a, in a bar in Jersey and said, this is talent I wanted, I'm going to develop her. That just doesn't really exist in this day and age, you know. Everything is statistically driven, so a lot of record labels will, are looking solely at the data to kind of make a determination on, A, if they're going to sign the artist, and B, what kind of investment would they be willing to risk on the artist based upon how the, so, the, the streaming numbers and the social media numbers look, you know, without having a label support. So the best thing for an artist to do is either go on Instagram, TikTok, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever it be, build up a fan base, get some listeners, get people to really pay attention to what they're doing. And then at that time, right. as the build up, it's better for them to kind of go out to someone like yourself to really go, hey, look, I think we could potentially work together. Right. Or, or they can, you know, again, if they have some kind of investment or budget, you know, they might, and they need help, you know, with, they don't know the right people that they should spend their money with or retain for services, you know, they can always hire a person like me to do consulting work for them and, or just a comparable consultant that knows what he's doing who can help to guide the career further from there. Oh, do you think a lot of people need an element like that, such as a consultant who's kind of been there and done that to help navigate them down the path, especially if they're early in their career? I, I think so. I believe so because, you know, again, we're talking about the music industry. You know, it's just so difficult to know who is a legitimate person to, to retain and who's not. Who's overcharging you, who's not overcharging you. It's just impossible to know those elements without having someone who's experienced and has some kind of name and reputation in the industry. You know, unless you got in-house guys that can do all of that work in-house yourself, you know, you're probably better, better off trying to hire someone with real experience that can kind of help you, you know? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, and I, I think a lot of people who might be listening to this might be thinking that you could be a valuable asset for them. Uh, where can people find you online again? Uh, Instagram, I am Quayshawn Carter and Q Global Entertainment, and that's spelled Q-U-E, Global Entertainment. Um, website is www.qglobalentertainment.com. Or you can find me on Facebook and Twitter also, Quayshawn Carter. Perfect. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for being on the show today, Quay, and sharing your detailed experience for all of our listeners. I think there's a lot of valuable information and tidbits here, especially for people who really want to go in and break into the industry or who might already have been in the industry and are really looking for that leg up. And we have the contact information for you so people go up, could go out there and uh, look for you, share their music, maybe even hire you as a consultant. 
be a potential relatable. Uh, once again, all our listeners, you could always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. I wanted to thank everyone for tuning into another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. I'll next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.